everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm Jessica Stevens, your host of the I Just Blank Now What podcast. Hope everyone's having an amazing Wednesday, and thank you for joining us again for another Now What Wednesday story. So today on the show, I have a really lovely friend, Margot Daly, who's going to be joining me and sharing her I Just Had a Stroke at 45 Now What story. So yes, this one is so inspiring and so powerful to hear Margot talk about her experience of suffering from a stroke and her recovery and what this life-changing event actually did for her in a really positive way. She's such a fighter and I love I love her story and she's just such a delight to talk to. Before we jump in to hear Margot's story, let me tell you a little bit about Margot. She is a lifestyle portrait and personal branding photographer with nearly 30 years of experience in the television industry as an award-winning unscripted senior producer, director, and story editor. For years, she produced series and shoots all over North America for CBC, HDTV, and the W Network, and helped regular people feel comfortable in front of the intimidating television camera. Today, she has translated those skills into her photography work, helping female entrepreneurs show off the face behind the brand in a fun, joyful, and dynamic way. Her goal is to ensure that her clients feel relaxed and enjoy the photo shoot experience, even if they are extremely extremely camera shy. So that's a little bit about Margot. So let's get to the now what? Have you ever had something happen in your life that you just were not expecting, good or bad, and said out loud or to yourself, I just got laid off, or I just got engaged. Maybe I just started a business, or I just bought a house, or maybe I just got my heart broken, or I just quit my soul sucking job. Now what? Me too, friend, me too. I've had a few actually, and each time it happened, in the moment, I felt like the world around me was collapsing and I didn't know what to do. Eventually, of course, I did figure it out, often the hard way, but I figured it out. And it wasn't until I was sharing some of these stories that I realized they were packed full of great lessons of what to do next, how to move forward and answer that gut-wrenching and sometimes paralyzing question, now what? So join me as we share some of life's most challenging stories and their transformational lessons on the I Just Blank, Now What? The podcast. Well, good morning, Miss Margo. Good morning, Jessica. So excited to be here. I know. I'm excited to see you too. I love the fact that we're doing this on a Sunday morning. It feels like really like relaxed and chill with like a cup of coffee and just having a sit down with a really good friend. Right. I agree. I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go. All right. So today on the show, you are sharing, I just had a stroke at 45. Now what? Exactly. Yeah. There, I'm not 45 now. Yeah. <laughs> that was a couple of years ago. But as you and I were talking about, that was definitely, it was a pivotal point, even if not right at that moment, but it definitely played a big role in the pivot and putting me on a path that was different than before. Yeah. So I'm really excited to hear that story. So let's rewind it a little bit. And why don't you take a, like a couple of minutes just to tell everybody about who Margot is and, you know, a little bit about you and maybe a little bit about your background before this life-changing stroke actually happened to you. Like who were you and what were you doing before this all happened? 
Okay, I'll take you back. First of all, I'm Margo. I am a branding photographer. That is what I am working on right now. I'm also a television producer, hopefully for not too much longer as I segue into full-time photography. But back at when I was 45 years old, actually on my birthday, I had a stroke in my own home. Uh, I was in actually in bed when it happened. Someone knocked on my door and when I attempted to wake up, it was very clear. I couldn't even get to the door. I couldn't, I tried, I was at the top of the stairs. I'll never forget trying to make my way down the stairs to open the door. And at the time, my brother who was staying with me for a little bit, he came just the right time. He and my friend came in and were able to get me to the hospital. And thankfully it was quickly because with strokes, you do not want to uh, delay. And yeah, you don't want to linger. Honestly, because you'll end up losing more functions, you know, and so that is literally the 29th, my birthday of December was the same day. So I will never forget what day it happened. And if I can rewind just even before that, I did have a, what they call a mini stroke, a warning stroke, but it wasn't caught. And that was about, I want to say a month, six weeks before I was in my offices. I was production executive of Chorus Entertainment. And in a cubicle, having a conversation with a colleague when the world started to spin uncontrollably. I remember I was nauseous, then I was on the ground, and then I was taken to hospital. And they convinced me that it was, what's the balance, inner ear imbalance? It was vertigo. 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 They convinced me that it was vertigo, sent me home. And that was the precursor to my stroke. So that's something I always say to folks. A lot of times health professionals, you're not thinking about a younger person or a younger woman potentially being stroke. But when you look back, a lot of those signals, it was a pre-stroke. Yeah. So that was the pre-event. And then the big event happened, I would say about six weeks or so later. And so, yeah, it was definitely kind of life altering in the sense that, you know, all of a sudden... First of all, I was in hospital for a week. I couldn't speak properly. It was garbledy. If I was asked to write something, honestly, it was garbledy with, you know, being able to spell properly. Mm-hmm. It was a lot, actually a lot of nonsense. I didn't know it at the time. Numbers, classic thing for a stroke. If you could tell me one, two, three, four, and I would say, yeah, one, four, three, two. I got you not knowing, looking at it and wrong. So it was really a time of just, wow, you're not working. And at first I thought, okay, you're not working for, uh, I'm going to be off six weeks. And then once you get into physiotherapy, they're like, oh no, you're not going to be working much longer. In the end, it turned out to be nine months. Horrifying at the time. I couldn't fathom not working. Even the six weeks was kind of, what? I can't be at work for six weeks. But that is what it took to kind of rehabilitate, to walk properly, to learn grammar again, to do a lot of simple tasks, memories gone. And so, you know, I had a wonderful team at a facility downtown, you know, it wasn't, you know, some folks, I thank God, some folks end up much more affected with walking and more permanent speech. I didn't, but definitely functionally I was not who I was before. <laughs> it was definitely a knockback to thinking, I don't know if I'm going to be, able, what if I'm not able to work again? What if I can't spell properly? What's going to happen? 
So wow. yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So first off your birthday, what a day for it to happen wow. yeah. and, and, and a milestone birthday, like 45 is one of those, like, yeah, know. you know, moments, for sure. but you were probably going to be quite rather reflective about your life anyways. Sure. And here you are having this, what I'm going to call a gift <laughs> Yeah, I see delivered to you on your birthday to help you really look at like, okay, Margo, what's got to change. Right. Well, a hundred percent. I mean, in a few different areas of my life, I mean, I had a great job on the surface, you know, it was a good job, a corporate job. Yet at the same time, and I, I can honestly say I wasn't a hundred percent sort of happy with corporate life, if I'm mm-hmm. honest. And so, you know, it was, there wasn't anything impeding. It wasn't a bad situation where I don't like my coworkers or I don't like, no, it wasn't that, but it was just a general sort of distraction, ready to do something else, ready to be in a different scenario. So that was sort of the precursor. And so it was a gift to actually stop working for eight, nine months. And again, at the time I was freaking out when they told me that, because, you know, what do you mean? I, that's impossible. How do you, you know, from <laughs> I can't not work like, for nine months. Yeah. No. And, and so on the one hand, that not being able, you know, being at home, you got to work, you've got to think, yes, I'm going to physiotherapy in between a lot of time thinking, you know, a yeah. little bit of depression. Of course, you're just stare. I remember being in the house, staring out the window. And then I'm like, I think 15, 20 minutes has passed and I'm just still sitting there. And so, but you're just reflecting on things, you know, spiritually, it was a time to get quiet, to focus on my relationship with God. I did a lot of praying And, but also just sort of, just sort of refocusing, reframing. And I came to the conclusion that I definitely, I want to go back to work healthy, if only to prove for one year that I'm back, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so that was the goal. And so I think when the nine months ended, you know, I did definitely go back. Thankfully, I did have a full-time job at that point in my life. And that also was a blessing because I've been a freelancer most of my life. I've, you know, just that period when I was at the network, I had benefits, I had Coverage, um, a disability yeah. fund. Any other time in my life? No, I rarely have those things. So that was, you know, again, another blessing to be able to go back and then and complete that year of work. And then I did end up leaving without a job. <laughs> it's kind of a Margot thing. Sometimes it's a little bit dramatic, but you know, when it's like, I got to go now. And yes, I should have another job lined up and know where I'm going. You should, I would recommend it. For me though, I knew it was time to go. I'd saved and I'm like, I'm leaving. And I'll never forget people saying, where are you going? I don't know yet. I just know I'm going. (laughs) I remember even being more cash potentially being, you know, what if we, uh, Sweeten the deal to stay because, you know, we like you. And, but I, I'm one of those people too. When it's time to go, you could throw a million dollars yeah. at me. It's like, I got to go. I'm so yeah. sorry. Thank you, though. Thank you. But I gotta go. um, question for those nine months was it predetermined nine months or was it three months? Nope. You need more time. Nope. It two more months. Nope. No, that. you got it. it Six was. more months. Okay. It was exactly that. So at first, I thought it'll be a minimum of six weeks that caused panic never mind then it was exactly that three months and then it was six months and then it was nine months 
And, you know, I'll be honest, there were some other things going on in my life at that time. My father had had a stroke, I think, seven years ahead. He was back home and he was doing well, thank God. And so, but, you know, definitely strokes in my family. So my dad and making sure he's good, that was all part of it. And ironically, the day I went back to work about, I want to say three, four weeks later, my mom had an even more serious stroke that, you know, she lost the whole, the use of her entire right side. And so the whole period, it was a time of dramatic change, a lot of things going on. I'm in caregiving mode with parents and my own. And yet I remember distinctly still because, you know, the, the right thing would be, I'm going to stay, you know, I got benefits. This is, you know, they'll be flexible with me having to pop off to, you know, take care of mom and dad. Appointments, yeah. Still, Jessica, I was just, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. I got to go. The calling, the calling was clear for you, Margo. I didn't know what to. I just knew I kind of got to go. I mean, I knew I was going to go back into freelance television. I knew, but I hadn't found that other thing yeah. that lights me up but I just knew I needed to shift from where I was. All right. So you leave your corporate gig. (laughs) How long (laughs) until you actually land your, your first Mm -hmm. post job freelance gig again? You know, it wasn't right away. It wasn't crazy long. I feel like four to six months, something somewhere in there because the freelance world, you know, like I'd been a freelance sir long before I went to the corporate gig. And so, you know, you have those contacts. So it would be harder, I think, sometimes to go to another full-time. It would be harder. But yeah, I think it was about four months to sort of get back into the freelance. Got it. Which was probably in. the good timing because you had to take care of your mom. 100%. 100%. And so, and in many ways, yeah, that freelance, that meant that, you you know, if the contracts were short, if one ended, you didn't necessarily need to run right into the next one. So that had always worked well for me, having time off in between gigs and not being too tied down too far. Yeah. So it worked out. All right. So yeah, you're, you're back to the freelance world and TV. Right. When did you pick up that camera of yours? Wow. Okay. So it was a little bit later. So I think about, because this talking right now, we're looking at about three and a half, four years ago. And here's the story with that. And this is, I guess, the lesson where sometimes the thing you start isn't the thing, but you got to start and it'll lead you to the thing. So in my case, still a television producer and director, and, you know, the world is changing. There's smaller cameras now that can shoot video. So, you know, back in the day, if I wanted to shoot a demo tape with you, Jessica, to see if, you know, maybe you can have a TV show, I would, you know, call a camera friend or pay them or beg, borrow, steal. Can you shoot this? And then you'd find an editor friend and say, could you shoot, cut this for me? I'll pay you or will you do it for free? It's a big production, but the technology had changed now so that these cameras, DSLRs, as they call them, they are so sophisticated that they can shoot really good video. And then, you know, you can learn how to edit it on a home program. And even though I'd been in television close to 20, 20 something years by that point, I didn't do the technical part. I just really, I learned it in school, but I just 
didn't we had people who were doing other it. people did that that was other not, people did that exactly that was not my lane i no, stayed in my I'm lane the director i don't need to worry about it but again with this changing skills i just decided i should learn how to shoot and edit and i'm at the time you know this was i would just almost turn 50 49 something like that i'm like i should learn this it's ridiculous and i did i took some started off with some basic sort of a course at u of t you know two weeks simple not very expensive course this how we shoot these new cameras. I took a different course. This is how we edit. Loved it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to buy a camera, a little DSLR just to have. And I remember the first day picking it up. I'd done the courses, watched YouTube and learn. And I was, you know, only interested in video mode. And then I turned the dial. I'm like, what is it like to take a camera on a big picture? Because so before now, it's only been point and shoots or an iPhone. The first photo just wow I'll never forget it that first photo and seeing the blurry background the depth of field I was like oh this is it I'm used to video with lots of images and talking but there was something about the single image single frame you know I mean some people are the other opposite they're interested in the video maybe me working in video oh one image so much more powerful from where I'm coming from. And so I was kind of obsessed from the first photo. And uh, at first it was just for fun. I shot you, as you remember, yeah. before I launched, I, anybody, can I shoot you? Do you need headshots? Free, you know. Like, yeah, I've, I, volunteer, I volunteered my face for you. And for sure. I was putting notices on Facebook. Do you want some photos? Do you want a free photo shoot? Da, 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 da. And, and I literally did that for years. Still not necessarily even thinking where this is going to go, but I just loved it. I was getting up at five in the morning to go down to the beach and shoot a sunset. I haven't gotten up at five in the morning for a long time. And I was thinking, you haven't shot a sunrise or a sunset in a long time. So I'm going to, but I just became, it lit me up. I was like, I was in television school at 25 again, running around, shooting this, that, the other silly videos, cooking videos. If you go, I have a YouTube channel that's connected now to my photography, but if you scroll all the way back to it, I was doing, you all know, silliness, pancakes. I just loved shooting the camera and editing my own stuff. And then I think about, yeah, it was two years ago, exactly. Cause I just had my second year anniversary. I said, I'm going to launch, I'm going to launch my side hustle for reals. And I did. And, you know, I just had a steady stream of clients shoot my baby shoot our family and then last year I said you know what there's a lot of female entrepreneurs I've been listening to podcasts personal branding it's kind of a thing you're a brand mm -hmm. we all want to establish that this is who we are and you know your 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 name is one thing and what you stand for and so there's so many fantastic female entrepreneurs. They're authors. I'm meeting them. They're coaches, so many wonderful coaches and yoga instructors and, you know, you name podcasters. And I'm realizing that this is a growing industry for um, entrepreneurial women. So about a year ago, I shifted and I'll still shoot other people, but I love shooting female entrepreneurs because I connect with them. I feel like I am one. I yes. am one. No, you are one. Feel. Like full out, you are one. Yeah. Thank you. So you know, you I connect with that language, building a business, and I think the big thing through all of it, which is a lesson for me and for everybody, we do have to show our face, right? I loved being behind the camera, and in the last couple of years, I'm realizing as I'm encouraging people, my clients, to be. You have to show up. People want to see you. They want to mm -hmm. see your face. 
do videos. I know you don't like the way you look, you hate your nose, you feel the COVID weight, la la la. I know I do too, but still show your face with whatever you're doing. Don't just hide behind your brand because people are curious. They'll connect and seeing you will definitely have an impact on what you're doing in an authentic way. And so I love encouraging women and myself to keep showing up, just show up, show your face, you know, get over the, uh, oh, I don't listen. We, we have to get better at saying this is who we are. And this is mine. Don't hide behind the label. So I love this space and I feel like I'm good at helping women feel comfortable, relaxed and excited. And I do want to make you look gorgeous. I want you to look at your photo and go, I am so like, that's the goal. I want you like, is that me? I think one comment I got actually was from a man in fairness. And it's the best compliment he, he, I could have gotten. He said, who dis? And I'm like, yes. yes he was you. like, who is that? And I'm like, that's what I want. I want you to be, you know, feel like, oh, I look good. <laughs> okay. So I, I want to rewind a little bit because you just shared so many amazing I know, sorry, I things. No, it's all good. <laughs> so I love the fact that a, this stroke really helps you take some time off to right. stop, right? Because as in TV production, you it is go, go, go. Like I worked in advertising and marketing and did a lot of Similar. production, a lot of production on my end too. Yeah. And it is a fast paced, right. always moving kind of world. And so I can imagine that Margot, in your entire TV career, you probably never stopped. This is the thing. You're like, since I was in high school with a summer vacation, I have never been off. Yeah. I remember, I remember too, I had to, I did a six week medical leave too. Cause I, I had surgery and it was the same thing. Six weeks. I'm like six weeks. I'm like, what, what? Like, but those six weeks were so glorious because I stopped for the first time ever and really just kind of well, what, what does this body need? Like, what does my mind need? What does my soul need? Like, how am I going to do that? So I love that you were actually forced to stop because you would never have done it otherwise. I fought it. Actually. I fought it every stretch of the way. Did you fight? Did you fight it for the first six weeks? And then finally, you know, at some point during the nine months, three months I was in actually, then I said, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. At six months, I wasn't ready. But at the six weeks I was, I was trying to negotiate (laughs) (laughs) Well, what if we, you know what I mean? Because I just couldn't fathom six weeks off work. And actually, thankfully, like I said, I did have benefits. Like that's what it's there for. You're paying in. But I still, I couldn't fathom all the things I have on my plate. I can't. Six weeks, you're out of your mind. So I love (laughs) the fact that it it forced you to stop. And then you actually like got into the groove of not doing anything. And you're like, I'm not ready to go back. Like I love, oh, I love yeah. that you had that like awareness about your body. Second thing, I love the fact that you, no matter what age you were at at the time, you're like, I'm going to go and learn this. I'm going to go and learn how to shoot and edit. And I'm going to, I'm going to take this on. So many people get to a certain age in their life and they're like, oh, I'm too old for that. Mm, leave it for the kids oh I don't understand technology this that like no I love the fact you're like you jumped in and you were so excited it was like you were a freshman student all over again 
exactly how I felt. And it was that energy. I loved it. And yes, I was, and you'd see me out there with my camera. Yes, all the kids were with me. And you know, you I was watching YouTube videos of 24-year-olds teaching basics, but I just loved it. And I feel like that is a lesson that applies for anyone. You, I am a baker, but I don't know how to run it. You can learn. There's a YouTube video. Or you're a coach, but I don't know how to set up payment. You can learn. And it's that whole idea of we can, you know, there, it's all, so much of it too for free. Some of yeah. it is out there on the internet for free. It's just the will to like learn. Do you think you would have been that open to the learning and the starting over and just figuring it out before the stroke? You know, I, there's a, on the one hand, I was, I knew I wasn't necessarily happy at the network. So I don't know. I, I probably would have gone back freelance, but I don't know that this path would have emerged the same way. I really don't. I just feel like with a full-time job too, I used to say, and you know, this might help insight, you know, you got a full-time job. I don't need to take on another thing. I don't have time. And so I think being back in a freelance headspace with downtime in between, you know, reminds me that I can learn other things or I'll try other things. I don't know if I was going to stay at the network. I don't think I would have needed to do that. So mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it just put you in a different place in your life in which 100%. it became an option and you were open to the idea. Because had the stroke never happened, you could still be working at that network. Yeah, absolutely. Be complaining, but you know, I'm not hundred percent happy, but still there. All right. So it's been a couple of years since you've had your business and you've been Mm -hmm. figuring out your ideal, you know, client and working with some amazing women entrepreneurs. Now what? Now what? Well, I think I, and I, we were chatting just before this. I, you know, as we speak right now, I've got a lot of clients, it's building, it's going really well. I'm still on television. The juggle is hard. It's all demanding with television. And I really want to devote more time to this new direction that I'm in loving. And so I think I'm at that point where, you know, at a certain point, you're just making that leap to kind of go all in. And so laying the groundwork for doing that I'm excited by it. I'm not like, it's funny. I've taken risks before in, in career. Like, like I said, I'll leave without a job. I'm not saying I recommend that to anyone, but um, some people it's the right choice. Some people I will leave and figure it out. uh, If I have to go work at uh, Home Depot and shoot, maybe that's the way it's going to be. I don't know. Nothing wrong with that, but um, yeah, no, I think the next transition is sort of going all in and, going hard and um, seeing where that takes me as well. So I'm getting ducks in a row and, you know, listening to other people who made that leap from freelance or part-time or whatever to full-time, but it's exciting. I love it. (laughs) Love it. Awesome. Yeah. I'm excited for kind of you leveling up, you know, in, in your, in your business and just doing it more. Cause it is hard to straddle, right? Like I'm all for doing a a business part-time and getting it to grow while you're still in, in a full-time job to, you know, so that you you have, you have the income and you have, but at some point, you know, you're straddling the fence, right. And it's really uncomfortable because you're like, you got one foot in here and you got one foot over there. Sometimes you got to just like swing that foot over and just jump, jump, jump. 
And yeah. I feel like I'm getting there. You're really close, you know? Margo. You're really close. I feel like we're getting really close and I'm excited about it. It's, it's not the terrifying. It's just the when, but yeah, it's not terrifying. It's, it's kind of exciting. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk to me a little bit about your health. So, you know, you having us obviously stroke is, as you mentioned, is part of your family lineage, yes. your mom, your dad, you, right. I'm sure some other family members yeah. having a stroke at 45, mm-hmm. really big wake up call. What did you do post that to kind of help you get as healthy as you can to, you know, maybe prevent another future stroke? Yes. No, well, certainly, you know, you really have to think about a lot of things some things in your diet, like with the type of stroke I had, it's called a dissection. And from what I understand, I don't think I could have prevented it. It was sort of a a brain sort of led to the brain, but yeah, no, you know, you have to think more about just in general, what you're eating and what you're, and moving around, because one of the things during the stroke for the longest time, like my mobility was not great. I was prone to falling. To this day, I still have to hold handrails tight walking down the stairs. Mm -hmm. I did lose some peripheral vision. So again, along the bottom and side. So I'm just more aware with where I'm going. And I've always loved exercise and exercise was definitely a part of sort of the rehab. Now in the last year with COVID fell off the wagon, like so many of us getting back (laughs) on that too. And also I will say one of the things actually on the mental health side, to answer your question, right after the stroke, I was so sensitive to noises and I got really good at sort of you know, blocking out everything, being quiet, because noise can just kind of throw you, but internally zoning in and being quiet. And maybe that's why I kind of love, in some ways, the pandemic, I feel like I thrived because, uh, you know, working from home for a lot of it and just, you know, closing down a lot of the noise. And, you know, that's sort of a skill that I sort of still have. I could be on a clouded train And then just kind of close my eyes and kind of, you know, shut out sort of some of the external stimulation. And so I think that time being alone for a long time, it sort of set me up to being able to do it a lot more, (laughs) if that makes sense. No, absolutely. I think, yeah, physical health, but as well, mental health is is a big, is a big part of it. Your, Your story is really inspiring because not many people, A, recover as well from a stroke as you did. So you're very, very lucky that your brother happened to be living with you. Cause as a, as a single woman who lives alone, you could have been there on your own for a while without anyone. uh, He doesn't, it wasn't even that long and it never happened before. He just had, it was just at a point in his life. He was living in my basement for about a few months that was a miracle because he doesn't normally live there. And yes, I don't think my friend would have knocked, burnt down the door without knowing. So yeah, you're a hundred percent right. So yeah. So that was, that was definitely a gift for sure in a, it being your wake up call, but you kind of did it in, in the safest way possible. Like you had all of these angels just like guiding Mm. you through this process and making sure that you had a really great outcome from it. Mm. So for anybody who is potentially experiencing something like this or a family member is, you know, what words of guidance and wisdom do you have now in hindsight for them as they're kind of going through their own process of recovering from a stroke? 
Well, it's, I'll give you a couple of thoughts. I mean, one, it's who you surround yourself with and who you don't. Because during this time, I think in general with a lot of life events, you kind of get that sense. They're the core people who will come around you, who will, you know, you have to ask, they'll bring you the groceries and, you know, they're, they're just going to know. And you kind of, during this time, it's a separating of the core folks and a lot of noise and acquaintance. So those are the folks that you lean on, you know, the, the people who love you, know you, and are going to be there to help you through as you kind of let go of those that are kind of on the periphery. And I don't mean entirely let go, but you know what I'm saying? Just sort of focusing on those. For me, sort of spiritually, I said, like, I, I pray, I talk to God, I'm a Christian, and my faith is what sustained me through this. I didn't go anywhere, but I definitely went to church. <laughs> I dragged myself. And so spiritually, that was the strength that I needed to get through. And then I would say also, too, there's a bit of knowledge. Some people gave me great books about just even the brain, like, like a Stroke of Insight was a book that a colleague gave me. That was so great. It was about a brain doctor who went through stroke and talked. She herself went through it and was able to recount in detail and understanding. And I feel like that really helped me get a sense of what was going on instead of just being a victim through it, understanding stroke. Even though I wasn't great at reading at the time, I know everything was needed reworking. But with audiobooks, just sort of understanding what's going on, knowledge, knowledge mm -hmm. is power. And there are survivors and support groups and thanks to YouTube, you can reach out. So that was also good. I had a great rehab, even post rehab, a post rehab group of a bunch of us that went through at the same time and did, you know, sort of group sessions going through it and after. And so valuable to hear from others who were walking the exact same path as me. And so, yeah, that would be the other thing. Don't do it alone. Seek out those folks that are on your road. Makes a big mm -hmm. difference. And if you feel called to maybe make some big changes in your life, listen to them. Listen to them. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's often a chance when you're stopped to really stop and think because you're forced to stop. And, you know, if there's something that's been niggling all along, another thought, this is the time to explore that. And I think, as I said in the beginning too, knowing that sometimes the very first thing might not be the thing, but when you follow it, this door opens to that door. And, but if you didn't even open the first door, you're not going to get to the second door. So do you know what I mean? Stepping stones, right? I, I mentioned this in a few podcast episodes back when I was talking about getting laid off from my job for the mm. first time ever. The, the next job might not seem perfect, but there could be something perfect about it because it could lead you 100%. to the next great thing. hundred percent. Yeah. It's yeah. not always that one woke up one night, next day. I mean, it's rarely that. I'm sure it is sometimes, but more often than not, it's that stepping stone in between. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, I'm really excited for, you know, us to work and collaborate again together soon. We've done a couple of photo shoots together. So I'm yeah. really excited to work with you again now that we're 
coming out of hopefully, you know, let's hope. Yeah. Lockdown and do be able to do some more work in person. So uh, yes, loved your photography, Marco. You've Thank come you. so far Thank since you. those early days of I us shooting together. Sure. Um, and I'm super proud of you. And I just hope people listen to your story and, and get inspired by what they want to do next, whether it's illness that kind of triggered a pivot just like yours or something else that's kind of Mm. struck a chord with them and they just got to like uh I gotta listen to the voices and do something different I hope they are inspired by your story oh I hope so too and it's never too late any age any age I honestly believe that too yeah you know doesn't matter doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been in one thing you can always pivot to something else that's exciting. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Guys, if you want to find Margot, it's Margot Daily and we have .com. We have her Instagram and all of her links in the show notes. So if you want to connect with Margot, please do that as she's an amazing photographer. And yeah, you know, you and I should probably talk because somebody told me the other day that I actually need to do TV. (laughs) I need to to do more video and uh, I, I should have a show. So I'm like, uh, okay. So yes. in the spirit of like, let's just go and see, let's have a side conversation. We'll talk a little bit about oh. video production. <laughs> okay. Anytime. <laughs> oh yeah. That reminds me, don't you have a course or a website or um, something that you're working with women in TV production and women of color? Oh yeah. And so again, so wearing my TV hat, I'm doing a story editing workshop for BIPOC women with BIPOC and film TV group. And so this particular workshop, one of the things as a producer, it's story editing and it's sort of the person in post who helps put all those reality shows together. And so I'm doing that. So like I said, I'm still very much in television, but yeah, looking forward to be doing workshops in TV, in photography down the road. (laughs) Excellent. Well, I love the fact that you're so generous with your time and you give back and you want to support other women in the industry. I think that's a huge thing too, just helping everybody lift up and do more and and figure out their greatness. hundred percent. Love seeing others come up and do what I've done. And so, yeah, it's all about sharing. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Margot. We'll talk real soon. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank Now What? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.